You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, it is a joy to be in worship with you here at Roswell Presbyterian Church. We continue our sermon series, The Short Stories of Jesus. Today, last week, we looked at the parable of the sower. And we saw that the sower might be thought of as a meta-parable. It's a parable about parables. If you missed that sermon, you can go back on the church website and listen to it. A parable is something, a story you you throw alongside your life that illuminates or shines a light on your life, on creation, on nature, helps you understand and live a more flourishing life. And today we're going to focus in on one of Jesus' most famous parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It was interesting, I went back through my files and I was like, surely I've preached or talked about the Good Samaritan parable. Like what kind of pastor would you be if you'd never talked about the Good Samaritan? And I am that pastor. So I am really excited to share this great parable with you today. But before we read it, before our passage, Jesus is in conversation with a lawyer, an attorney, and someone who lives with an attorney. I always love it when when Jesus kind of spars rhetorically with these lawyers. And this lawyer comes up, he says, to test Jesus. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds by asking a question. He says, what is written in the law? And then the lawyer quotes from the two first commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. And that's where our text takes up today. Listen for the word of the Lord coming from Luke chapter 10, verses 29 through 37. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer that is, but wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He, or the lawyer, said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments, you might be our teacher that you might help us recognize who our neighbors are. Lord, you might fill us with kindness and compassion. 
Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? This is the famous question Mr. Rogers asked children who watched his daily television show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. In an interview, he was once asked, what is this question, won't you be my neighbor? And he said, it's an invitation. So the question is an invitation to love and to be capable of being loved. It's an invitation that you are loved and you're capable of loving in a world that can feel so bereft, so empty of compassion and kindness, neighborliness. This question, won't you be my neighbor, can seem quite radical. If the question, won't you be my neighbor, is an invitation The question this lawyer asks Jesus is one of self-justification. The Bible says, wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in response, Jesus tells a parable, tells a short story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This man is a generic man. Jesus gives us no details about his religion, his nationality, his height, or his weight. He's a person. That's all we know. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. The man goes down a road. He travels from Jerusalem to Jericho. This road was notoriously dangerous and difficult to walk. It was 17 miles long. And over those 17 miles, you would descend 3,300 feet. It was very steep. And there were many narrow passages and dangerous blind corners. The terrain offered many places where bandits and robbers could terrorize travelers. So a man was going down this dangerous road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And this man fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Jesus begins this story kind of ominously saying, this man is going on a dangerous road. And sure enough, robbers attack. They strip him and beat him. And they leave him half dead. There's nothing left to identify this man who's lying on the side of the road. His possessions have been taken His clothes have been stripped and discarded, and he's suffering from severe injuries. This is a person who can't help himself. He is quite literally helpless, stranded on the side of the road. Have you ever found yourself in a predicament like this? Have you ever found yourself helpless? Maybe you've stumbled into financial catastrophe. Maybe you've been on the road and your family's been attacked and it's in shambles. Maybe you've fallen sick, lost a job, been betrayed by a friend. If you've ever found yourself in a place like this, there is nothing you can do to help yourself. This man can't help himself. He's in desperate straits. This man needs help. And oh, look, look who's coming around the corner. 
Jesus says, now by chance, a priest was going down that road. This is great news. A religious person, surely he will help. But Jesus continues, and when he, that is the priest, saw him, he passed by on the other side. Oh no, I thought we were in good hands. We had a a good religious man, a religious professional. But he passes by on the other side. Oh, here comes another man. Maybe he'll stop. Jesus continues, so likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him. Surely a Levite, also a religious professional. Surely he'll stop. But Jesus says, he saw him and passed by on the other side. Why did the priest and the Levite not stop? Why did they pass by on the other side of the road? Over the years, many reasons have been given and hypothesized. Some said the priest was in a hurry to get to the temple, didn't have time to stop. But people that say that haven't read the parable closely enough. Jesus clearly says the priest is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's going in the opposite way from where the temple is in Jerusalem. That can't be it. Some have said, well, they don't want to become ritually unclean, touching a corpse. But again, if you read the parable closely, Jesus says he's half dead. And in many places, anyway, the the Jewish law says it's critical that you save a life if you have the possibility. It supersedes every other concern. And yet the priest and the Levite fail to do what they are commanded to do. They fail to take care of the suffering man on the side of the road. But why? Maybe one of the most poignant explanations that I've come across for their refusal to help came in a sermon by Martin Luther King Jr. He gave it toward the end of his life. He's preaching on the parable of the Good Samaritan. He says about these two men, he says, I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that these men were afraid. King continues, and so the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? They were afraid. They were about self-preservation. Bandits could be in the shadows. Robbers could be hiding, waiting for them to stop on the side of the road, and then they're going to attack. They're fearful. The priest and the Levite continue on their way. Now, in good storytelling, there's a convention called the rule of three. And the rule of three allows for you to give two names in a series, and your audience is able to respond because they know the third name in the series. So, for example, fans of slapstick comedy, Larry, Curly, and Mo. For Trinitarian theologians, Father, Son, and Shakespeare fans, Friends, Romans, Brooklyn Nets fans, Durant, Harden, Kyrie. (laughs) Now for Jesus' listeners, the lawyer and the Israelites that are listening to this parable, they know who's coming next. We've had a priest, a Levite, and we know who's coming. First, the, the priest comes and he's failed to help the man. The Levite comes next. He's failed to help the man. Who's coming next will be the hero of the story. 
They all know who it's going to be. A priest, a Levite, and then an Israelite. Surely we will be the heroes of the story. But in one of the great bombshells in storytelling history, Jesus says, it's a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Just at the point where they think they know how the story's going to go, Jesus surprises them. He says, but a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. A Samaritan. This would have blown the minds of his listeners. They would have exploded all of their expectations about what they knew about the world. Samaritans had a notorious reputation dating back hundreds of years. You see, the Assyrians had come in and conquered the northern kingdom hundreds of years earlier in the Old Testament. You can read it. And these people living up there intermarried with non-Israelites. And they became Samaritans. They were, notice, contaminated, unclean. So they're descendants of these mixed marriages. Samaritans were the epitome of corruption. And religiously, they worshipped in the wrong town, not in Jerusalem, but in Gerizim. There were all sorts of slurs about Samaritans. One rabbinic text reads, one who eats the food of Samaritans is eating the food of swine. (laughs) And so just when the listeners were least expecting it, Jesus says the hero of the story is a Samaritan. The Samaritan sees the man on the side of the road and is moved with pity or moved with compassion. This word for pity or compassion has to to do with something you feel in your gut. It's a visceral reaction. It moves your soul. So the Samaritan is moved with pity and compassion and runs to the side of this man on the side of the road. Bandages his wounds. Pours oil and wine on them. Loads him up on his own animal. Takes him to an inn. Pays for him to stay. And goes the extra mile even and says, take care of him and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. And so Jesus finishes his little short story. Everyone shocked by who the hero of the story is. But then Jesus turns to the lawyer and says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And then in front of this Vast audience, the lawyer responds. Notice he can't even utter, he can't even vocalize and voice the word Samaritan. He says, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says to him, go and do likewise. The Samaritan was the man's neighbor. The most unlikely of people showed this man compassion, kindness, and love. The person we least thought possible to be the neighbor was the neighbor, not because of who he was, but because of what he did. The Samaritan demonstrates the love of God and love of neighbor through concrete action, by serving, showing compassion, by taking care of the man when no one else would. In that sermon on the Good Samaritan, Martin Luther King preached, He said, the priest and the Levite asked, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? 
But then the good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Not what will happen to me, the question of fear and self-preservation. He asks, what will happen to him, the man on the side of the road? This is the question we must ask if we want to love and serve our neighbors. King knew how to put his mouth, his money, where his mouth was. And he says, at the end of that sermon, he says, what would I do if I didn't go to Memphis to serve and to speak up for the rights of the sanitation workers? What will happen to them if I don't go? And so he goes to Memphis. On April 4, he was assassinated. There are bandits on the road. So how can we learn to love our neighbor as Jesus commands us to? I want us to return to the first question that the lawyer asked Jesus. When he initially started the conversation, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? Jesus' response says, follow the two great commands, love God and love neighbor. But what this man knows and what we all know is that this high calling is impossible to achieve fully. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when Jesus tells this parable, I think he's saying that all of us, in one way or another, whether physically or spiritually or emotionally, have been bruised and battered. We've been attacked by bandits. We're all wounded and bruised and beaten down by life. We are broken people laying on the side of the road. And who has crossed the side of the road and come to our rescue? Yeah, God revealed in Jesus Christ has shown us kindness, compassion, love. God crosses the chasm of time and space and in a grand way says, I love you to the world by giving his life for the life of the world. He helps us when we couldn't help ourselves. And so I believe that God in Jesus is the ultimate good Samaritan. We are the man on the side of the road suffering. And so when we show kindness, compassion, and love, we simply reflect that divine love that God has shown into the world in his son. It's not about who we are, it's about what we do. This kind of love and compassion relativizes all boundaries and distinctions. God's love shines into the world and they evaporate. It's not about who we are, our nationality, our race, our political party. It's about are we willing to show kindness, to serve. This kind of kindness will change the world. The writer Tom Junid once wrote about how he used to be a cynical, angry, frustrated reporter. His editor for Esquire magazine thought it would be funny to assign him a profile to profile Mr. Rogers for the magazine. That interview and the subsequent friendship he would have with Fred Rogers would change his life. It ended up becoming the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood that came out a few years ago. And when it came out, Tom was actually living in East Cobb 
and he wrote an article for The Atlantic. Talked about their friendship and how it had changed his life. How Mr. Rogers showed kindness to him as a neighbor who was a complete stranger. Tom writes, A long time ago, a man of resourceful and relentless kindness saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. He trusted me when I thought I was untrustworthy and took an interest in me that went beyond my initial interest in him. He was the first person I ever wrote about who became my friend and our friendship endured until he died. The movie called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood seems like a culmination of the gifts that Fred Rogers gave me and all of us. Gifts that fit the definition of grace because they feel, at least in my case, undeserved. I still don't know what he saw in me, why he decided to trust me, or what to this day he wanted from me, if anything at all. That's what happens when a good Samaritan comes to the side of the road to your rescue. No matter what someone's looks like, what their politics are, where they worship, or who they are. We are all broken and in need of love. And God has come to us in Jesus Christ to show us compassion and kindness and grace and love as the ultimate good Samaritan. And then Jesus says to the lawyer, and he says to each of us, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we pray that we might receive that healing love and compassion that you offer us in Jesus Christ, that we might let it fill our souls, or that it might overflow, and that we might serve others in a world often so bereft of compassion and kindness. We, especially here at Roswell Presbyterian Church, might be known for our great compassion and kindness that we have received in you, and now we reflect into the world. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.